Welcome to the TV Deets Podcast. My name is Brett and I'm the guy behind the blog. An extension of tvdeets.com, join us for a brand new episode each week as we break down the latest unscripted news and ratings and share exclusive piping hot tea on all of your favorite reality shows. Now, let's get into it. and welcome to the TV Deets podcast. I am recording this on the morning of Friday, October 20th, and I hope you have had a fantastic week and have an even better weekend planned. I feel like this was another big week in the world of reality TV, or at least Bravo. I'm not sure if it's just me, but I have my coffee here and I suggest you grab your drink or beverage of choice and settle in and we're going to get into all of it. I'm going to be honest, not all of the Bravo shows are hitting on all cylinders right now for me, but the off-season drama is juicy, and we have The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, as well as The Real Housewives of Potomac right around the corner, and Married to Medicine, of course. Now, on this week's episode, I'm going to take a deeper look at the Bravo ratings and these recent PR releases from NBC Universal, plus my takes on this week's Roni and Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, and this reported Vanity Fair expose on Bravo. All this and more coming up on the next hour of the TV Deets podcast. Well, the Real Housewives of New York City finally came to an end this week. We had the season 14 finale airing on Sunday, and of course they have their two-part reunion coming up uh, this week. So a couple more episodes to go, but the last of the final episodes have aired. Now, regular fans of TV Deets and the TV Deets podcast, you know my thoughts on this Roni reboot. I wasn't really here for this idea at all. I just, again, not to repeat myself, but to repeat myself, I don't like how all of the women were let go, how it was done so haphazardly and rushed, you know, so rushed so that Sonia wasn't even available to go to the announcement at uh, NBC Universal. Um, the whole thing has just been kind of really interesting to watch as a Bravo fan and just someone who's really into television and movies. You know, a few podcasts back, I compared the Scream reboot franchise to what Bravo is trying to do with The Real Housewives. You know, because reboots are a huge thing in film and TV right now. You don't have to look too far. Look at DC. Look at Marvel. Look at, like, network television and the fact that Frasier is coming back on Paramount+. Plus. Like, reboots are at the top of mind for networks, and I get it. It's, you know, that name that brand recognition so in this case the real housewives of new york city and you know bravo wanted a new cast so they wanted to switch it up the funniest thing to me about this whole season airing is like they didn't even give (laughs) 
they didn't even give these new girls a chance, in my personal opinion. Like, they went all out with the marketing. We've seen the promotions, Times Square, the little premiere party they threw. All of that was fine. Like, they spent millions and millions on marketing, I'm sure. But what I mean is... Like, we're not even through the season, and the the Legacy girls are posting their confessionals, they're talking about the Legacy trip, Bravo had to switch uh, the Moroccan season of Real Housewives uh, Ultimate Girls Trip with that Legacy trip, moving that up to December. Like, they haven't even given these new girls, like, a year to just be the Real Housewives of New York City, they are already calling in the big guns, and Luann, Sonia, Ramona, and Dorinda are, you know, here to save the day. I just find that hilarious. Now, this final episode, back to this Roni season 14. This did not feel like a season finale to me. Honestly, I only knew it was the finale because that's, you know, I kind of pay attention to that stuff, the scheduling. But it didn't feel like a finale. It felt extremely rushed. Now, I'm not going to give you a full recap because, to be honest, I found very much a large portion of the episode to be boring. But... You know, let's just look at the women and where we are at the end of the season. I guess I could give you my power rankings for the Real Housewives of New York City. Now, Jenna Lyons. Jenna Lyons was the big name. This is the person that Bravo is so excited to have on. She was supposed to bring, you know, just some class and, you know, some notoriety to the reboot and give it that celebrity-adjacent touch. Jenna Lyons is, I think, great casting. <laughs> I'm struggling with what to say here, guys, because on paper, Jenna Lyons is a great housewife. After watching the season, Jenna Lyons is not a great housewife. Now, as a gay person, I was very excited to have someone from the LGBTQ plus community on The Real Housewives. You know, Julia Lemagova in Miami, she's holding it down, but it's nice to see Jenna Lyons on The Real Housewives of New York City. But as, you know, fans have kind of noticed, we've gotten almost a zilch of that aspect of her life. And in fact, she keeps pointing out that, like, she's not comfortable in these situations and she's not really, like, you know, one like that and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that scene with Bryn at the lesbian bar was total cringe because it's like... It's like Jenna had never been a lesbian before or never been around her people. Like, Jenna, these are your people. And Bryn doing that whole, like, she'll make out with anyone shtick was just so stupid. But Jenna Lyons, like, if she does come back, I really think it's highly unlikely that she returns for another season. But if she does come back, she's going to have to put this relationship on TV. The problem is, I'm just not sure we even want to see it. Jenna Lyons seems quite boring. So, I don't know what's going on there. I, I had high hopes for her, like I said, but kind of fell flat for me towards the end of the season. Now, when it comes to Bryn, again, Bryn has great energy. I don't understand Bryn at all. I think, like, the fashions have been a complete miss. I think the confessionals with everything ending in, like, this weird sexual joke, like, it's just a shtick that we've seen from other housewives before. <coughs> Sonia Morgan. <coughs> Excuse me. So I don't know. I, I feel like with Bryn, she didn't really bring much. I mean, we weren't able to see inside her apartment because apparently her co-op wouldn't let her film there. But that's a huge gap there as well. So I think areas of opportunity with Bryn, she has potential. 
but she rode that fence, guys. I mean, she wants to play both sides. She wants to be the fan favorite. She's up Andy Cohen's ass. Like, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the stuff she has been saying. Um, I posted about this earlier this week. I thought it was so funny, but she was asked in an interview with Page Six about Tamara Judge going off at Andy uh, at the recent Orange County reunion. Now, if you guys saw that, Tamara basically told Andy to shut the fuck up or something like that. Fuck off. So... We've seen this on Housewives before. Tamara is a long-running housewife. Andy clearly loves Tamara. I didn't personally, when watching that, think, oh, wow, this is bad. I did think for Tamara, like, Jesus, this lady, like, <laughs> Tamara, you know I love you, but shit, like, you are on fire. But I did think, like, when Bryn commented on this in page six, just listen to what she said. So she was asked about, like I said, Tamara yelling at Andy, and she says, don't tell dad to fuck off. I don't bite the hand that feeds me, and I'm being fed very well. <laughs> I don't know, you guys, I find that so funny. I think because, first of all, we know these first season housewives make like thirty to $50,000, which is nothing to laugh at, but I just think the whole I'm being fed very well when like we're Bravo viewers, we know how this works. I just thought that was weird. I also thought like, if page six is kind of baiting you into that, why are you even saying that? Like, I don't know. I just feel like that was so off of Bryn and, like, calling Andy dad. I don't... I, again, I'm gay. I don't understand what Bryn is talking about. Like, I... There's a lot of people that lust after Andy. I'm not going to be one of those guys. But Bryn is. But then she's calling him dad. Like, the whole dynamic is just very weird. And it comes across very desperate. Now... Uba. I really enjoyed watching Uba this year. Again, I feel like her personal life is off camera, which, hey, you know, many housewives want to keep certain aspects of their life private from Bravo. But again, like we spoke about with Jenna Lyons earlier, that's just not a great way to be a lasting housewife. So I do have some concerns over that. My biggest concerns, though, is production. Like, it honestly seems like production allowed the women to do whatever they wanted the whole season. I don't think that personally works. I think you have to have more direction and they're going to laugh because I know they're saying we plan this season out like this is produced and producers, you need to do a better job. It was weak. OK, now, Aaron, Aaron is a highly controversial housewife. You guys have seen, you know, her donating to stop the steal, all that kind of stuff, her statement on that, you know, and then her whole like attacking Jessel the whole season has just been very odd. And Erin also rode the fence. She likes to play both sides. We saw it with the situation with Jenna Lyons and Anguilla. But you guys are going to hate me for this. But, like, Erin is a good real housewife. I'm not saying she's entertaining. I don't think any of these women really captivate me when it comes to their personal scenes. Like, it's it's just not happening. But Erin is doing what Bravo wants Erin to do, okay? She's a thorn in everyone's side. She can't seem to, like get what people are saying so she has all these other issues with people in the the women in the group but she has no understanding of their issues with her i just think that's hilarious like her delusion is is up there with some of the more delusional housewives she just kind of presents herself a little differently so again i'm not a fan of aaron but i could see aaron coming back now Sai Sai da silva i was never into Sai from the minute i heard her voice i am so sorry to everyone that thinks that's really mean, but that's just my true, honest opinion. When the promo clips came out and I heard her speaking, I said this woman is going to get on my nerves, and she did. Like, I never liked her, and she just seemed negative the whole time. I don't know if her hair was, you know, pulled too tightly back into that bun the whole season, but, like, 
girl, you need to lighten up and you need to learn how to have fun. And you also need to learn how to not be a bitch. Like this whole, oh, I speak the truth. You know, I'm very upfront. I'm very honest. I consider myself to be like that. I'm not a total dick in every scenario. I'm not flipping people off yelling at, um, you know, a dinner that we're having and storming off. Like, so Psy brings, yes, some sort of drama and some level of, you know, she's, like I said, the villain, right? But I just, again, like with these women, the struggle I'm having is seeing them continue in these characters for season after season. Like, I just, <laughs> there's a really big struggle there for me, guys. Now, last but not least, we have Jessel, the standout of the season. Again, at the beginning, wasn't a huge fan of Jessel. You know how I feel about this group uh, in general, you guys. But, you know, Jessel really played her, her cards well. Like, she knows how to deal with the fans. She knows how to deal with social media. And she knows how to laugh and have fun with herself. And I think, you know, where it turned for me with Jessel was when she was at her apartment and Bryn and Jenna Lyons were kind of explaining to her what Aaron and Sai had been saying about her marriage uh, behind her back. And we saw Jessel break down for the first time. And I said, you know what? Not that I like seeing people cry, but okay, like there's someone here. She's because I agree with like Jenna Lyons, who was saying, you know, you're not standing up to them. You're letting them do whatever you want. And I saw that in Jessel. So to see her break down, have that realization, okay, I need to step my game up. And I think that's what she did. I thought that was very interesting. Now, to see what, you know, everyone is saying about Jessel now and how she's the fan favorite, like, you know, you know the housewives are hating that, right? So that is even more reason to love Jessel. Um, just a note on Jessel, something very funny that I saw earlier this week. Pavit and Jessel actually spoke to Us Weekly about the season, and he was asked about you know, his trip to Vietnam and Sai and Aaron basically saying that if you go to Vietnam, it's for sexual tourism. Now, here's a quote from Pavit. This is what he told Us Weekly. He says, I've never in my life heard of people going to Vietnam for sexual tourism. Associating any South Asian country for that is like, okay, that's weird. Vietnam is probably one of the most beautiful countries. The feud's amazing. We've been there a couple times. It's a beautiful country. The people are amazing. So to associate that with this is really weird. Now, I tweeted that and that got a huge reaction on uh, social. Too funny. I personally, you guys, am on the side of that was a racist comment. Like when I saw that in the trailer, you can go back to the podcast episode. I said it in that episode. I said this is a cringe comment especially coming from Aaron and Sai. like I really expected more from this cast and like I've said before you know you got rid of like a cast of alleged racist Karens and then you have you know racist Karens in the group like it's it's too funny to me that this is who we ended up with after a reboot so I too didn't like that conversation about Vietnam I think that's just so like it's so dated you guys like come on get real so Pavi kudos to you for handling it like a true champ now in this season finale, back to the season finale of The Real Housewives of New York City, it's really just Bryn's birthday, and this is why you maybe don't want to have your birthday as the season finale. It looks to me like in watching the episode, like I said, it didn't really feel like a finale until we got to that party, and you can tell like some of the women probably got notes from producers before heading in saying that, you know, hey, we need some drama, we need some fire, it's been a little quiet. And I think that's why we see Psy so activated. Um, 
she just goes off and now she's going off on Bryn for you know making a, an offhand comment about Uba's boyfriend being in Connecticut and apparently you know Bryn is not to mention that on camera and Sai flips out and it just says to me you guys like it's season one and they already have these agreements about what they can talk about on camera and what they're not going to talk about like that's fucking stupid I know that the original women New York City in particular had some of those agreements like back in the early days when it came to their children and schooling Ramona Singer's daughter infamously got kicked out of her private school there was a lot of drama with those ladies I just feel like with this it's just a little bit of a reach I wasn't really getting the connections and why that needs to be kept private again like Uba's 40 or you know around 40 i don't get hiding your relationship and doing this whole thing is that your personal right in your life of course does that make an interesting reality star no it doesn't so don't make me defend Sai, but come on you guys like let's stop deciding and nitpicking around what we're going to talk about on camera and what we're not going to talk about on camera like especially after you know 13 other seasons i just i'm shocked that we're we're talking about that I like that they included it and they're breaking the fourth wall. I just think it's stupid that they have to. I just think it's not <laughs> that serious. But this party, you know, Sai kind of flips out. Aaron, uh, Uba, sorry, leaves and Sai does go talk to Uba outside. It didn't even seem like Uba was mad, to be honest. Um, but just a very odd kind of end to the season. Again, being Bryn's birthday, not sure how she feels about that. But interesting, nonetheless, Aaron coming out in the parrot costume, I don't get it, like, I don't, you guys, I'm even looking at a picture of it right now, I'm sorry, it doesn't even look like a parrot, but okay, you know, maybe a tiki bird, I don't know, <laughs> but interesting, I just think, you know, this season was really lacking, I'm just gonna be real, this reboot was really lacking, for all the people saying, oh, well, we needed a season to get to know them, I've never seen that with another first season show on Bravo, like, one episode into Love Match Atlanta, and you guys are like, cancel that shit, <laughs> you know? One episode into Real Girlfriends in Paris, you're like, fuck that. But their New York reboot, you give all these excuses and all these, uh, you know, grievances to, and, and it's just hilarious to me. I just, overall, don't think it was that solid. Now, I've talked about it before, what is Bravo gonna do for season 15? Uba has said in the press that no one has been invited back, there have been no contracts given out, so it looks like they're going to wait and see how the reunion plays out. But to be honest, I'm really feeling like, you know, I know they're at BravoCon, I know the Legacy cast is at BravoCon, I would not be shocked if we do see a little bit of a pause on New York and they don't resume filming till the spring. I personally feel like they want to see how Legacy plays out, and then they're going to see what to do with season 15. Because I know you guys think none of these original women are coming back. I got to tell you, that's not what it looks like and sounds like to me with what I'm hearing. Okay? Bravo sees what you are saying. Okay? And to say that this has been a hit overall is not true. So I'm curious to see what happens. You know, part of me wants the reboot cast fired or that show renamed. Just bring back the Legacy Girls. I know that's going to be really tough for Bravo to do. So more likely is we will see a combination of these casts in the future. And you can start thinking about what that looks like. Um, but, you know, I am happy to see this New York reboot come to an end. I think 14 episodes was probably too, too many. Like, I think maybe just a tighter season and it would have hit a little bit for me. Uh... <laughs> in terms of, you know, what I want in a housewife show. But I know everyone's enjoying it. I know there is a lot of positive comments about it. These are just my 
honest thoughts on the New York City finale. Now, let me know, what did you think of The Real Housewives of New York City Season 14? Did you like the finale? What about the updated finale cards? And who are you a fan of at the end of the season? And who are you not a fan of? Let me know. Now for the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I gotta tell you guys, watching the episode this week, this was an incredible episode, okay? I'm gonna hand it to Salt Lake City. Like, this is, this is like Housewives, what I want to see. This was very real, very authentic. I love the fact that Monica's mother was involved in it. I'm gonna break it all down, but I just wanted to tell you, I was a fan of this week. Now, this episode was a big one. We are in Salt Lake City, Angie is going to have some sort of, I forget what the reason for the party was, some sort of like celebration, and it's going to have a Greek aspect to it, and she's invited all the, all of the women. She was going to invite Meredith, but because she blames Meredith for spreading the rumors about her husband sleeping with men, Meredith didn't get an invite. Now, the hilarious thing is that when uh, Meredith tells Mary, or sorry, when Mary tells Meredith about the party, Mary uh, finds out Meredith is not going, and then she too decides she will not go to Monica, uh, to uh, Angie's event. Sorry, I just thought that was so funny. Mary is like hitting on all the right things this year. Her comedic timing is so good, but just being like, you know what? Well, if you're not going, I'm not going. And then that phone call to Angie being like, hey girl, I'm just not coming. Don't take it personal. <laughs> and Angie's like, I'm not. And she's like, okay, bye. Like, I just thought Mary <laughs> is so funny. And what a great role for Mary to be a friend to get to pick and choose what she comes to. And, you know, I love that. And I feel like the shows, like Salt Lake City has really learned. And it's kind of like what Beverly Hills did with Kathy Hilton in previous years. Like, you really got to learn these friend roles and how to integrate them in the group. I think they're doing a great job with Mary, so I'm here for it. Now, at this event, we get Monica and Angie sitting down for the first time. And it's weird because Lisa Barlow had kind of warned Angie and said, like, why are you not more upset with Monica. Like, Monica is the one who brought it up on camera. Monica is the one talking about it. Like, you should also be upset with Monica. And Angie's just giving her a pass, which was very weird and looks to be, like, one of Angie's biggest mistakes because Monica, I tell you, after this episode aired, she took to Twitter, honey, and she is going for, th for their throats, okay? So we see this sit-down between Monica and Angie, and Monica basically, you know, she goes from 0 to 100, very quickly and says, you know, I can't talk to you because all you want to talk about is how you're upset that I told you about a rumor that other people are talking about and you're mad at me. Like, it doesn't even make sense. And she storms back to her side of the table. The other husbands and family members at the table are just like in complete shock and cringe. <laughs> that is probably one of the funniest things are people's reactions in the background during this episode. Um, but it didn't go well with that conversation with Angie, and she storms off, and she's having this whole, like, meltdown in the corner while Bravo cuts to, like, all the children playing, everyone's dancing, everyone's having a good time, and Monica's in the corner fucking losing her shit. Now, Monica, I'm torn on, you guys. She is great because she seems to be authentic in the sense of she's putting it all out there. 
Now, she does not seem to be authentic when it comes to her whole life and backstory. And I do think that is Monica's issue. I think there are some suspicions there. Her connection to Jen Shaw is very fishy. And that relationship and the relationship to the rest of the women. So I think they're peeling back the layers and they're saying, who is this bitch, right? And I kind of get that. But at the same time, she's bringing so much drama and entertainment value that, like, how can we be mad at Monica, right? So... We see this awkward, you know, conversation. She storms off. Uh, everyone's dancing, having a good time. And then it turns into, like, she is so mad at her mom. Just because her mom was trying to, like, make nice and basically apologize. I'm so sorry. And she goes off on her mom and leaves her mom at this party. Says some, like, horrible things to her on the way out and leaves. And, you guys, this is where I'm torn. I have a great relationship with my mother. I would never treat my mother this way. Like, this is disgusting. I know not everyone has a great relationship with their mother, and there may be more to the story. I just err on the side of, like, don't do it on camera at someone's child's event or, like, family event. Like, I just found the timing was so weird. And doing it in, like, a group scene like that where there's, like, extras upon extras, right? Like, not only are the husbands there, all the children are there. Then they have, like, their parents and everything, and then neighbors. And then here's Monica just totally embarrassing her mother. I don't like that. Now, I will say, the mother apologizing to the group, like, I get she was trying to be nice, but this is why I see both sides. That would also piss me off. Like, you gotta ride with me. And maybe they didn't have that conversation before they got to Angie's, but yeah, you gotta ride with your daughter. Now, apparently after this whole fight, the episode enough wasn't as if it wasn't cringe enough. Monica took to Twitter and she is like calling it Angie a liar. And here's what she says. Angie, you are a liar. Be just like you lied about meeting me once. You and I both know the kids were in your basement. You sick piece of shit. Go get your house up to code. And I'm sending you my ER bill after falling down your basement stairs because you didn't have a railing. And then she goes, Almost hit your niece? You are the biggest freaking asshole. You know damn well what happened. I left your house with bumps, bloody, and bruised. I should sue your ass for not having your home to code, you fuck. And then she goes, no, she's not done. Let's talk about head injuries since I got one at your home on your stairs and had to leave to get a freaking CAT scan. You are sick. And let's talk about how everyone called me after finding out I fell down your stairs and went to the ER, except you and Lisa. Meredith even tried to send my family meals. Angie, shut the fuck up. And then she attaches, these are all separate tweets, guys, like she's going off. She attaches four photos of what looks like a very bruised leg. You know, it's in her washroom. I'm just going to be real, guys. Like the washroom itself doesn't look that clean. It's just weird. The four photos are weird. She says, after falling down Angie's stairs at Greek Easter because you had no railing. Everyone saying I left my mom? Yes. Yes, I did and went straight to the hospital and she knew I fell down the stairs. My convo with her on the couch was after the fall. I'll attach my x-ray scans and hospital bill for you too, Angie. You are disgusting. So some interesting things there. Monica says that she fell down the stairs going to get her children from Angie's basement and then that scene with her mother was filmed after that. Now, I look at, I'm not calling Monica a liar by any means, but I look at these photos and I'm like, holy shit, if you just fell down the stairs and that all happened and then you went and sat on the couch, like, kudos to you because she didn't look like she was in pain. She wasn't grabbing her legs or anything. The whole thing is very weird to me, you guys. 
her taking to Twitter like this is good for us, good for the TV Deets podcast, of course, but it's fucking insane on any other level. Like, I don't think Bravo is going to have an issue with this because Bravo is just happy that people are talking about the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, but to be threatening to sue someone, like, eight episodes into working with them, (laughs) like, this is just a joke, and Monica, we all know, with your financial situation, good fucking luck trying to sue Angie. Okay, like good fucking luck. You can and actually you can call someone and say your house wasn't to code. I don't know how it works in Salt Lake City. They're gonna have a very hard time getting into Angie's house to check her basement stairs. Like I don't think there is the ability to do that. Good luck to you, I guess, if you want to go down that road. But um, I really don't think we'll see anything come of this situation with Monica and Angie because you know, they have to go to the reunion and you can't sue your co-stars. So Monica, let's get back in line, scale it back, maybe create a YouTube show or something where you can kind of like show your receipts, your medical receipts, all your photos and give us like the details because we do need some filling in. We need a Salt Lake City after show, guys. Like we need to know what's going on. But honestly, for me, the highlights of this episode, Monica, Mary and Angie, you brought it. I know there's like this weird kind of hate with Angie this year and I'm not a fan of Angie in general either you guys but is she delivering like what we want from a housewife this year yes like she has the home she owns the home she throws the parties they look fantastic she is very well put together her whole family she gets into the drama she's not afraid of you know speaking her her truth so angie i'm now seeing okay this is this is we're, we're going in the right direction with salt lake city this is a a very interesting group overall you guys and it's hard to integrate someone with that real lifestyle into this show when all of these women are faking it so i just thought it was very interesting now one of you when i asked hey what should i talk about on the podcast this week um someone said to me oh about how whitney is like carrying salt lake city and to that person i just want to say like what show are you watching okay i love you for being a tv deets fan you are you know part of the tv deets fam we love it but come on whitney is not carrying anything now i do know there are some issues that are supposed to come up with lisa barlow in this back half and we didn't exactly see it all in the trailer so Hey, Whitney, let's bring it out. Bring out the big guns for the last half. I am waiting, and I am excited to see what is up your sleeves. But you guys, this week, Salt Lake City was on point for me. Like I said, brilliant, brilliant reality TV viewing. And it's these Greek Easter parties with all that drama going on. Like, that's what we love about Bravo, right? Like, this was giving me Real Housewives of New Jersey vibes, and I loved every single minute of it. So I'm into it. As always, let me know your thoughts on Salt Lake City. I'm really curious to know what you think of Monica in this Twitter rampage against Angie and this whole situation with her mother. Like, I need to know what you think. So let me know. Well, it's time for another ratings recap. This is going to be a big one because I really want to talk to you guys about these Bravo press releases that they are putting out uh, in regards to the ratings because I know these are kind of confusing people. So I want to break it all down for you. Now, before I do so, let's just recap where we are in the ratings. And this time we're looking at Bravo. So on Sunday night, we had the 
Real Housewives of New York City season 14 finale. I recapped and shared all my thoughts in the last segment here, but episode 14 was up a tick to a 0.15 share in the person's 18 to 49 demo with 517,000 live viewers. Next up on Monday night, we had Below Deck Mediterranean continuing to have a phenomenal season, earning a 0.20 in the demo and 848,000 live viewers. Next up, we had The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. This hit a season high 0.2 or sorry 0.12 in the demo and 488,000 live viewers now the season high was actually for viewers not the demo and southern charm the ratings are not yet out but the week prior we had a 0.16 in the demo and 514,000 live viewers just to give you a little bit of an idea of where southern charm is sitting now if you go to tvdeets.com i've told you before on the pod hover over reality TV ratings. I have them all sorted by network and by show. So if you want to check out the ratings for Basketball Wives, Basketball Wives Orlando, Love and Hip Hop, Love and Marriage, Jersey Shore, it's all there. You just have to go to tvdeets.com and check out the ratings tab. Now, some interesting things this week. So we had two press releases, one from NBC Universal and the other from Paramount. I will go over NBC Universal's first. Now, this one was very interesting because they combined two shows in this one. So, they wanted to talk about The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and Southern Charm. Now, according to Live Plus 7 Day numbers obtained from NBC Universal via The Wrap, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is on track to hit a series ratings high and is currently averaging. 1.9 million total viewers and 1.1 million demo viewers among adults 18 to 49 across all platforms. Here's a quote. In terms of demo viewers, the fourth season has added 195,000 viewers, up 20% from last season's multi-platform seven-day viewing. The new installment also added 225,000 total viewers so far, a 13% increase from season three. Now, while it may also seem hard to believe, Bravo is claiming that The Real Hosts of Salt Lake City is the second most watched Bravo original in terms of demo and total viewers, only behind this year's explosive 10th season of Vanderpump Rules. The network is also claiming that this season's Salt Lake City has become the most watched season premiere of a Bravo series on Peacock among both the 18 to 49 demo and among total viewers. Okay, are we following? <laughs> now, Salt Lake City isn't the only show seeing massive increases, according to NBC Universal. Southern Charm is also on track to deliver its most watched season since season six back in 2019. According to The Wrap, the new season of Southern Charm is currently averaging 2 million total viewers and 972,000 demo viewers and is up 14% in total viewers and up 22% in demo viewers across all platforms through 7 days of viewing. Due to that success, Southern Charm Season 9 ranks within the streamer's top 10 most watched season of a series that first aired on Bravo in terms of both 18-49 to 49 demo viewers and total viewers. Whew! <laughs> Did you guys get all of that? 
Now that was straight from NBC Universal's release. They did this through The Wrap, which is a Hollywood trade uh, outlet and very trustworthy. And obviously this came directly from NBC Universal. Now it's interesting because Salt Lake City actually recorded a season low in the demo back on October 12th. And this article in The Wrap came out on October 16th. So I'm not saying Bravo is listening to the TV Deeds podcast, but Bravo is probably listening to the TV Deeds podcast. I love it. I just think that this is really like a PR strategy, you guys. And I've said it before on the pod, but when I talk about ratings, like it's not to be hateful or shady or anything like that. I have always been interested in TV ratings. I can go back to like even my childhood when I was in high school. And the first show I was curious about, I think I've told this story on the pod before, but the first show I was curious about was CSI. I was like a diehard CSI for about five years of my life. I was going to be a CSI and that was going to be my future. And I remember thinking like, how many people watch this? I know it's popular, but like how many people watch it? How does that work? And that, you know, at my young age, that had me Googling, researching and coming across TV ratings and how that whole system works. And, you know, it's 2023 and Nielsen, the same, the company has updated their ratings methods a little bit, but, you know, Bravo is putting out these press releases. NBC is putting out these releases because they feel like the Nielsen ratings don't capture the whole story. Now, obviously with the invention of DVR and delayed viewing, and now all of these episodes streaming the next day on Peacock, like, of course, they have other metrics that they want to look at, right? These numbers were live plus seven day numbers. And then they also seem to include the streaming numbers from Peacock because they mention across all platforms quite a few times. So again, me talking about the ratings isn't shady or anything like that. Like, obviously, I love Bravo. Like, I'm I'm hosting a Bravo podcast right now. I love Bravo. I just think it's very interesting to watch the ratings see how many people are are watching the seasons that you're watching and this helps you understand why cast changes are made why production changes are made all that kind of stuff so that's why i love talking about the ratings now i'm not gonna lie you guys bravo can say whatever they want when it comes to delayed viewing and streaming numbers because there is no oversight there there's no you know organization or company that is keeping you in check you can say whatever you want and you actually don't even have to release the numbers on these earning calls like if you ever listen to an NBC Universal earnings call they'll talk about Peacock they'll talk about how much money Peacock is losing they'll talk about how many subscribers Peacock has but they generalize it like they do not even have to give their shareholders that much information so these releases it's just important to know that when these come out, this is to change a narrative or, you know, I guess to, you know, share their side of the story. But let's be real, okay? 400,000 people are watching The Real Hosts of Salt Lake City live. Bravo is telling you that that is growing to 2 million people in 7 days. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm just saying I'd love to see the numbers. I'd love to get in there and really dive in and look at all of this because that's quite a lot of growth, right? And you can even see it in the quotes that they have put in this the rap article, like this one. In terms of demo viewers, the fourth season has added 195,000 viewers, up 20% from last season's multi-platform seven-day viewing. 
The new installment also added 225,000 total viewers so far, a 13% increase from season three. Like, that is so specific, but then, but then not specific at the same time. Like, it's one of those things that's like, oh, and it really grabs you, and then you look at it again, and it's like, up 20% from last season's multi-platform seven-day viewing. Interesting. Now, the other interesting thing about these press releases, I mean, we're seeing the same thing with Southern Charm. They hit a season low in viewers on October 7th, 553, and then this article comes out on October 12th or sorry, October 16th, talking about how they're hitting 2 million viewers. It's interesting to me. Before I continue, the other thing that's interesting is the social media. Like, clearly, The Real House of Salt Lake City has a huge social media presence. As someone who runs many Bravo pages, I'm on social a lot, Southern Charm does not seem to be... A water cooler show anymore that's just my personal opinion like i remember when travis was on it Catherine was on it we had that crazy season with ashley that was one of southern charm's highest rated seasons i find it hard to believe that southern charm is beating that season that's just my personal belief but hey bravo has access to the numbers this is what they're saying i just think that's interesting now the other interesting thing that many people have pointed out is they're only releasing these press releases on ratings for certain shows. I've talked about it before on the podcast. We never saw a release like this for The Real Housewives of Atlanta. We never saw a release like this for The Real Housewives of Potomac. We actually never even saw a release like this for The Real Housewives of Orange County. So again, it's very interesting that only certain shows are getting these releases and then other shows aren't. And if you look at the pattern, the only shows they're doing these releases for are the shows that are doing poorly in the live ratings. They came out and they talked about the Roni season uh, 14 premiere after it debuted to just like 600,000 viewers. They came out and said, oh, it reached 1.7 million. Okay. They came out with Salt Lake City hitting a season low. They're like, oh no, 2 million people are watching it. Southern Charm hits a series low. Oh no, wait. You know, many people, 2 million people are watching Southern Charm. It's the highest rated season ever. Um, I find that very interesting. Like I said, just to list a few shows, Atlanta Housewives, you know, Beverly Hills Housewives, Orange County Housewives. Um, what about Ultimate Girls Trip? They've never, never really given any Ultimate Girls Trip ratings. Um, you know, things like Love Match Atlanta, Real Girlfriends in Paris. Like, they have never given press releases for these shows until, like, this year. And I really think it's to just try to change the narrative with Bravo fans. They want you thinking that every show is a blockbuster, water cooler show. And like I said, I'm here to tell you that's just not the case. Doesn't mean I don't love Bravo or I don't watch Salt Lake City or I don't love all these shows. I do. I just think Bravo has an issue with creating a water cooler moment. Now, it was interesting to me, too, that they're saying that Salt Lake City is the most popular show after Vanderpump Rules. That doesn't even fucking make sense, you guys. Like, we've seen the ratings for Vanderpump Rules. That show is hitting 1.5 million viewers live. Live. Salt Lake City is hitting 400,000 live. And you're trying to tell me it's just as popular, the second most popular next to Vanderpump Rules? That doesn't even make sense. The Real Housewives of Orange County just hit a 0.20 in the demo and over 800K. Okay, we never see a release about that. 
And that's not even to mention Below Deck, which Below Deck Sailing Yacht, Below Deck uh, Mediterranean, and even Below Deck Down Under are doing better numbers than The Housewives. And they have never put out a release like this. Like, the season average for Below Deck Down Under, I was just checking, was a 0.20 and 796,000 live viewers. Like, that's a big show. Below Deck Mediterranean hitting over 800k every week. Same thing with uh, The Real Housewives of Orange County, pretty much. And again, we never heard anything about DVR, streaming, or Peacock. So again, I'm not, you know, necessarily saying these numbers aren't accurate. I'm just saying when Bravo releases these numbers, it's just very strategic now, a lot of people are noticing there seems to be a racial bias. A lot of these black-led shows, we are not seeing numbers for. So again, Potomac, where's the, the numbers for Potomac? Where are the numbers for Atlanta? Where are the numbers for Married to Medicine? Instead, they let fans think those shows are doing poorly. We saw it with Atlanta this last year. Oh, it needs to be rebooted. rebooted. Look at these terrible ratings. Hello, Atlanta was like number three, like top five cable at least, every Sunday for the last season. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, you guys, let me just pull it up because I found this interesting when I checked these numbers as well. Like, we're shading Atlanta for not hitting the 5 million it used to when Nini was on it, but we're letting these, like, the New York reboot get through with these unacceptable numbers. Like, to me, it's just, it's so funny. So, if I look up Salt Lake City, which aired on Tuesday, it was number 30 on all of cable. Number 30. So no wonder why Bravo is releasing this release to tell us, hey, don't worry, we're number 30 on the chart, but like we are, 2 million people are watching. You guys, we're smarter than that, right? We're intelligent viewers, right? <laughs> so just very interesting. I love that Bravo is sharing these numbers. I wish they would share more. I wish they would share them with me exclusively. Hello. Um, because I would like to understand a little bit more. And like I said, I would like to see... Bravo talk about the ratings for other shows because I think that would change the narrative. Like I said, they're allowing fans to think Atlanta is low rated when it outrated almost every other show that's aired this year. So you're allowing certain narratives to go and then you're correcting other narratives and they seem to benefit certain casts. And I'll just leave it at that. Now, another ratings release we saw this week came from Paramount in regards to the Basketball Wives franchise. Now, as you know, They've rebooted Basketball Wives for season 11, and they've added Basketball Wives Orlando with an all-new cast. Now, according to a report from Deadline, the show's reached a combined audience of over 1 million viewers after three days of viewing. According to Deadline's report, this is a, quote, sizable audience for the Paramount Global Network. Going into further detail, Basketball Wives LA was up 41% in live plus three days ratings to a 0.52 in the person's 18 to 49 demographic compared to a 0.37 in live plus same day. The season 11 premiere scored about 203 total, thousand, uh, total viewers in the 18 to 49 demo, and the success of LA has helped Orlando as well. Orlando grew its audience by about 55% after three days of viewing, and managed to retain 62% of the OG show's demo audience, delivering a 0.34 rating. Now, according to the Paramount release, Basketball Wives is also popular on social media, with the premiere earning 2.6 million video views, up 90% compared to season 10, and they're calling Orlando the number one most social reality series on cable in terms of 
total interactions. Huge. So interesting when you read the Bravo release, the NBC Universal release, and then when you read Paramounts. Now, Paramounts is clearly more specific. They are not saying 2 million viewers. They are saying, hey, both shows combined hit 1 million. Now, I think the last time Basketball Wives hit over 1 million live viewers would be back in like season 9 or something, season 8 maybe. Um, season 10 was like very even with this. So these numbers seem to be more accurate. They seem to be more specific. You notice with Orlando that they just gave us percentages and not actual viewership numbers. So again, interesting. I'm loving Basketball Wives. I'm here for it. I think that, again, for different reasons, Paramount also wants to kind of correct that and they want to let people know, hey, our franchise, this reboot is working. So you guys, just a very interesting week in the ratings. I love it. Like I've said before, live ratings aren't everything. Of course, DVR and Peacock matter, but live ratings are where Bravo and VH1 make most of their money. So that is why they are still the most important metric. And like I said, they really do set the trend and show us, hey, if something's low in the live ratings, it's most likely low once you count DVR and streaming. And the opposite is true as well. So very interesting. But let me know what you think of these ratings releases. I'm going to share them every time you uh, they come out and break them down for you here on the pod. But let me know, what did you think about Bravo's release in particular and these Peacock numbers? I am super curious to see what you think. Well, there was a big development in the ongoing Bravo reality star, I don't even know what to call it, Bethany-related issue. I don't even know, you guys, but as you know, NBC Universal has, you know, updated and changed their policies to better take care of their reality stars. This is coming in light of Bethany Frankel's ongoing commentary and Nene Leaks also exposing the network. Now, Page Six has a very interesting article posted just yesterday, October 19th, with the headline, Vanity Fair Prepping Deeply Reported Probe into Bravo's Relationship with Housewives Stars. And I want to read to you from this because this is quite the the little article. Now, it says Vanity Fair is preparing to publish a deeply reported probe into the complicated relationships between Bravo and its stars, Page Six has learned. Sources say a reporter for the famed magazine has been interviewing cast members and other sources around the franchise for some six months, and that the piece is slated to appear in the coming weeks. We're told the article is expected to delve into the highly demanding work lives of the Real Housewives stars and what they trade in terms of their privacy, their image, and even their mental health and their relationship with alcohol in order to keep their much-coveted, highly oft often highly paid roles. Quote, The journalist is going really deep into what the women go through and what's expected of them as members of the cast and members of the Bravo family. I think it's going to explain a lot that fans don't really see or understand about how it works. We hear that, given Vanity Fair's reputation for rigorous, wide-ranging reportings, there have been some nerves jangling at Bravo's HQ over the piece. But network insiders say execs are well used to the spotlight being pointed at the high-profile media firm and that nobody's sweating it. Sources say that during their interviews, stars have been invited to reflect on what they have given up to appear on the show, whether it's been worth it and how much control, in retrospect, they feel like they really had. 
Meanwhile, we hear the piece also looks into Bravo's various protocols and guidelines for addressing the well-beings of its stars and to what degree they are effective. The piece much buzzed about among the housewives, says page six, comes as various former stars, like I said, Bethany, Nini, and Brandy Glanville have raised questions about what's expected of them and their co-stars during their time with the network. Now, last year, as page six points out, Vanity Fair published a lengthy article about the behind-the-scenes culture of British reality show Love Island, and they titled that article, How Love Island Became a TV Reality of Sex, Fame, and Sometimes Tragedy, and that is interesting because Love Island is actually now a NBC Universal or was a Peacock show at some point. So interesting there too. Now, this is incredible, right? You guys, this is something that uh, Bethany has been talking about for a while. She has stated that there was, you know, some sort of expose coming, something was going to be, you know, going down with Bravo. And honestly, I'm not surprised. I'm I'm a little surprised it took this long because I think with Nini's comments over the last couple of years, everything that happened during Black Lives Matter, I just think there was, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised to see the wheels circling around Bravo. Now, a lot of people are taking this article and they have like a negative reaction to either Bethany or the Housewives, but like we need to make something clear. The reality stars fighting for better treatment from the network, we should all agree with and be a, a fan of. Like, I don't know why you're taking issue with someone wanting their workplace to be better. Like, I don't get that. Yes, Bravo pays them well, but Bravo does not pay you well enough to destroy your whole life. And that's, I think, what the point of this article is going to be. There are quite a few housewives who, yes, it's their own behavior, but it's like, Sometimes your behavior is rewarded, right? You break a glass, you flip a table, you're rewarded. And then at some point, the public turns and they don't want to see that anymore. And you get fired. You're told you're racist, you're violent, whatever it is. You're never coming back. That's where I think this is going. Now, it talks specifically in this page six article about the Real Housewives. But I'm also told this is now TBD. It's exclusive reporting. I'm also told that Below Deck is being looked at because Below Deck is a huge franchise I've talked about it before on the podcast. We have incidents of racism, sexual harassment, alcohol, overuse. Like, there's a lot going on in Below Deck 2 that I'm sure will be included in this uh, article with Vanity Fair. Now, I also think after reading the Page 6 article that I expect this article to drop just before BravoCon. I think the fact that it's in Page 6 today tells us that it's nearly done, um, and when I was just thinking, hey, when would Vanity Fair want to release this to get the most traction? It's going to be before BravoCon because they're going to want to ask everyone about Bravo at BravoCon about it, and it will take over BravoCon. That is my guess. I believe that is when it's going to drop will be before November 3rd. If it drops afterwards, I think, good luck. I think it'll be buried in the winter season, and we won't hear much from it. Now, I'm not saying Bravo is a bad place to work or anything like that. I just think this is going to be a very interesting read for diehard viewers, for people who are a fan of the unscripted space. If you have an interest in PV production and finding out how these shows are made, how the magic comes to be, it's going to be very interesting. Um, but like I said, it's Vanity Fair. This is going to be, you know, not a lightweight piece. So the fact that like Page Six is saying that Bravo isn't worried, like if my experience with Bravo's PR team is any... <laughs> like indication that quote has to be from bravo because i guarantee they're fucking shitting their pants over this so i just think it's interesting i'm curious about who they've talked to i think some of the people we can expect would be nini and bethany for sure raquel levis has got to be in there 
um, Brandy Glanville possibly with what's going on over on Ultimate Girls Trip and the fact that we may not get that season in Morocco. Um, there's lots going on, lots to unpack. There's a lot of Bravo liberties that we've already forgotten about who have been fired and thrown to the, to the wayside as well. So I'm interested, you guys, to see what is in this uh, Vanity Fair article and what the truth is going to be. Like I said, I like Bravo. I watch all their shows. I think it's fantastic. But that doesn't mean we don't want reality stars to be treated, you know, the right way or have, you know, certain workplace benefits that you should just have, right? Um, that should be a thing as well. So I fall in the middle on this. I'm curious. It is interesting timing. I posted this photo that Bethany shared the other day. She was with, like, NeNe Leakes, Larissa Pippen, Rachel Levis. Um, and then there's like a whole bunch of people I didn't really recognize, Jenny Garth and Tiffany Thiessen, Melissa Rivers, uh, she tagged iHeartRadio or whatever, so I guess that they all have podcasts there or something, Amanda Smith from Selling Sunset, I just think that was an interesting picture, interesting timing, um, you know, I think I've said it before on the pod, Vanity Fair, Bethany, they're gonna have to get some heavyweights on side, like, Raquel's not gonna do it. Raquel's not going to change the narrative. So we need some housewives, and I don't think we're going to get them, you guys. So other than like the people in the press that they've mentioned. So nonetheless, a very interesting article, and it's about to be on at BravoCon. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the TV Deets podcast. I am having so much fun talking to you guys every Friday about Bravo and everything reality TV related. So much fun. Thank you so much for your support, all the positive comments, everyone DMing me. It really means a lot and because uh, I'm doing this myself. So I appreciate you guys more than you know. Now, on that note, I mentioned it in last week's podcast, but I have launched the TV Deets Patreon, and I would love for you to check it out. Now, I don't know if you guys know that much about me, uh, but I do this all pretty much just as a hobby and just for fun. I do have a work life and a personal life as well. And, you know, getting all of this done, tracking all these ratings, getting these podcasts out... You know, it's not necessarily easy, so if you head to patreon.com slash tvdeets, you can check out, I just have one tier there, it's $5 a month, and you will get one, at least one bonus podcast episode, and some bonus content through there, like, you know, similar stuff to tweets and Instagram, just more exclusive, just for my Patreon members. Now, I'm starting this as a way for you to support me and what I do with TV Deets. It would mean the world, but also so that we can talk about things in a little bit more detail. You know, you never know who's listening to the regular podcast or checking tvdeets.com, so this Patreon will just give me a private, safe space to share all my thoughts and give you the ice-cold tea. Or piping hot tea, I should say. Now again, check out patreon.com slash forward slash TV Deets. There's one uh, tier there. So again, you'll be getting at least one bonus uh, podcast in there each month and tons more to come. So I would really appreciate if you check it out. And if you do one other thing other than join my Patreon this week, please send this podcast to a friend. Give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
do your thing comment post whatever i love seeing you guys sharing my podcast letting me know that you're listening to the new episode and all that fun stuff so again thank you so much for your support and i hope you have a great weekend i will see you here next week for another new episode